Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk. The March sales event is now on, offering low APR finance and deposit contribution across the 191 Renault range. Offer ends March 30th, so call into Blackstone Motors, Drogheda or Dundalk today to see how affordable buying a new Renault is. I can't believe it's taken so long. She stood me up for over a year. I've waited patiently, never lost hope and have to say, much better late than never sums up how I'm feeling on late lunch this afternoon because my date has arrived. And as that famous saying says... Well worth waiting for. Deirdre O'Kane, it's great to see you. Ah, uh, listen, I'm here, finally. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Not Thank you for taking me back a year later. <laughs> we better explain to them, because some of them are thinking, what are that pair yakking on about in there? Dancing well, with we, the we stars. We'll remind them, yes, shall we? On, uh, it, yes. Almost a year ago to the day, yes. um, I was the Dancing with the Stars final, because we've just seen one, and yep. I was the year before, and you very kindly promoted me and asked the town to vote for me every Friday during the whole thing and got me there got me to the final at least so thank you thank you to you and thank you to everybody who um, voted dear to 53125 <laughs> <laughs> you'll never forget that no number. never it's a- and I have to say they were brilliant in louder than me than beyond when we did put the call out you know this every week oh they amazing did it. Yeah. yeah no absolutely amazing no it made a huge difference and what a journey that was for you <sighs> you know it, it is a year ago and the, the uh, latest series 2019 has just the dust is settling on it at the moment but hey 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 uh, hey our John won it Your John, John Nolan won it I know I was screaming for him thrilled for him I really was now he you danced it. to the final with him and it was a very close call last year he went one better and lifted the letter ball with Maraid this year yeah. was there any little bit of green in the eye at all no well, a bit of the younger, fitter model was annoying me, all right. <laughs> I mean, I turned 50 at the day of my final. She she hasn't hit 40 yet. So it was a little bit like, oh, yeah, maybe it was the years. That <laughs> but you know, a good wine, a good wine. Oh, don't worry, I don't hold back. You know, I don't hold back. <laughs> but hey, what are you talking about? You stormed the nation with your legs a year ago. Never talk about younger ones or that. Did that I, I, take you a bit by surprise, how yeah. that took off? Well, like? it took me by surprise because I hadn't had the legs out for a decade and I haven't had them out since. <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's nice to get the praise while it was going because I know it's not coming around again anytime soon. <laughs> I'll dare to go out at that, will you? The best thing about it was that I, I sat down and wrote a show about the whole experience. This is the show that I'm on the road with. It's called A Line of Ocane. And I poured out of me. Normally I struggle to write shows, but I just had so much to say about the insanity of that job that uh, I was able to just write it down and make it funny. So you have to go along and see it. Next one, is Vicar Street the next night Vicar before Street the is, April? This night week? Well I have London dates if anybody wants to come okay. to Soho yes. but uh, Vicar Street is nearer. <laughs> Thomas Street. <laughs> Much nearer. <laughs> Going back to that time a year ago because it is intense you're putting everything into it. Mm. You're in the media all over the place. Radio television, newspapers, you name it. Do you know when it finishes and you have that after party and it's over? Is there a 
come down? I think other people suffered a massive come down and a really bad one. But I had this tour booked. I was going on the road four weeks later and I didn't have a show written. So I sat behind a desk and I put my head down and I did not move. I was like somebody who was studying for the leave insert. I literally wrote for eight to ten hours a day because I was panic stricken. I just had to write. What could you do? The tickets were so, well, they were sold. Theatres were booked. Mm. I had to go on. So, so that was what happened to me. So mm. it was it was in one way it was great because I didn't have time for come down. I just had to you know I was on to the next thing really yes. fast. But I know I was talking to Aaron and some of the others, and I think they grieved it and mourned it and yeah. you know really missed it. Mm. Um, but I was back on stage four weeks later doing my own thing. So it was kind of great. No, you did brilliant. And your dancing week on week improves. And everybody was rooting for you to, to win it. Actually, really, you were the people's favourite, in my opinion. I'll say that again. Did you dance or have you danced since? Now, you said you didn't get your legs out since, but have you danced no, at all? No, I haven't all? moved. Nothing? Nothing. It's awful. But is it like riding a bike? Could you just now say you were asked next week to go up and do something? Do you think it would be a little easier having been through? Yeah, and I think it would be. I think I think it's in there and I think I'd be better at it, at approaching it. Um, I'm a bit disappointed in myself that I haven't danced since. Mm. But as John said, if I went into a class now and just did an hour of a normal class, I'd be bored. I'm used to doing eight hours of pushing myself and... He said an hour it wouldn't do anything for you. you. You'd feel like you, you know what I mean? You wouldn't even have scratched the surface. Yes. So it's hard. But I've got to find a way. I have to find a way. You it's will. And that will come. You know, there's no doubt about that. When this tour ends, I'm, I'm at the end. This is the last leg of okay. this tour. So when it ends, you know, in another month's time, I'll probably go do something. Have another look then. Fred Cook, you know well. In fact, ah. I better tell them, you said to Fred, didn't you? I said, get, get on, on to, to Jerry, Jerry Kelly, Kelly quick and get LMFM to support you. Because you really need the local support. Like, it this it breaks down that way. It yeah. becomes people asking their town and Parochial, their county. Parochial, the parish, the county. Yeah, the, no, absolutely. I mean, you've got the Anagiris with Cork behind them and all the yes. rest. Um, it's not you're easy. You're like going, Christ, I'm from the wee county. <laughs> <laughs> I better step this up, you know. So I told yeah. Fred to do the same and I think it worked for Fred Didn't he do um, great to get to the penultimate week he nearly made it to well, the Well I final. think he did brilliantly and I think it's going to be brilliant for Fred's career I mean I was screaming for him because he was on my comic relief bill in the three arena so I was trying to sell tickets on his name <laughs> and keep him in there as long as possible and that worked too so you mentioned uh, the year. It's been a really busy year and quite a roller coaster of a year, may I say, for you personally and yeah. professionally. I was going to say to you, but you jumped in and said you turned 50. I was going to say you entered your sixth decade, which sounds better, turning 50 of the decade thing. Sixth decade sounds like you're 60, doesn't it? You're your right. Sixth decade. I'm with you. I'll Sorry, with will 50. I just cross that out there? Yeah, we'll go, <laughs> I'll with, go 50. with 50. I uh, probably uh, should say 51 now, <laughs> as that happened last week. What? what? Is that a seminal moment? Was that a seminal moment for you or do you just get on it? It's another number. It's just another number. Yeah. Isn't it? Mm. I mean, I, I do think it depends on... I Somebody asked me recently in an interview what was my best decade and I said, I'd like this one to be my... Be- I'd like my 50s to be my best decade. I kind of feel like I've just come back to work. You know, I, I stepped away from stand-up for 10 years when my kids were little because I just couldn't... I couldn't go out at night to gig. I just went against my instincts when I had small babies in the house. So I kind of feel like I've gotten back now um, to me and to my career. So I feel like I'm only starting. Do you know what I mean? I'm not. I've been around the block a hundred times, but I still kind of feel like I'm starting on a different road. I'm doing a bit more broadcasting and a bit more telly and different Mm. stuff like that. So 
I'm kind of excited about it all. I, I, I'd like to, I'd like to cling to the looks. I'm spending money on my face. I don't mind telling you, throwing it, throwing. I'm actually taking cash and throwing it directly at my face. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. It's one hell of an investment. So, let me say, and I can see much, her here Jerry. just across the studio from me today. And I assure you of that. And yeah. check out the pictures on social media. I, I think- yeah, I think that's the only downside. You okay. kind of go, Fuck, I wish I could just yeah, hang know, on to this for a bit longer. But, but you look, know. that's time and it stops for no woman or no man. No, you and I think if you own it, if you just decide, do you yes. know what, I'm just going to own this. And uh, and as long as you have plenty of energy still, then mm. grand. Your children, uh, you say that, and, and you alluded to it a moment ago there, that, you know, when they were smaller, you couldn't do this or that. But you said in a recent interview, and I remember reading it, that you're enjoying them more as they grow up into their teens. Yeah, well, Dan is 10 and Holly's 14 and I like these ages a lot. You're just starting to see the people, aren't you? And you're actually able to help them navigate the world a bit. Uh, I don't think I was very good at the toddler stage. I, I wasn't great at the swings and the parks. I kind of was quite irritated by it. <laughs> That's the truth. Um, you know, so I, I kind of, I'm better now. I, I'm I'm good at this. Even, even with the teenage situation, with the hormones flying, I'm bouncing off the walls. Uh, I still think it suits me better. I, I like being able to say, you know, these are the challenges, this is hard and being able to direct them. Yeah. I think the toddler thing, if you're good, loads of people are brilliant, that that's a gift. I honestly think that's a gift. To be good at that stage, it requires a lot of work and a lot of patience and I'm not blessed with patience. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> now, the year was a roller coaster. I come back to that again because your dad and your dad, he was uh, so well known, wasn't he? And yeah. so loved by so many, many people. He passed away now. He hadn't been well for a while, but it was sudden in the end, wasn't it? It was very sudden in the end. I mean, he had a heart attack in the end, and he but he'd had cancer. Um, but but he was free of it because he'd had surgery and treatment. Um, but he was frail. But yeah, well, I mean, I, I had actually just landed in Sri Lanka. We were going on a family holiday and to see friends who were getting married. And I literally just landed when I got the call. So it was sudden from that point of view that we weren't expecting it. Um, but, you know, look, at he, he watched the dancing. He loved it. He we'd all said our goodbyes. We'd done everything we could do. And he was frail and he was tired. And he I know that he was good to go, yes. you know. So from that point of view, I think it was as good as it gets. Mm. I still just miss him and it's awful. But I didn't want him to fail any further. I know. You know? And he was such a, a man that made an impression on so many people. Because I'll tell you, my son, who plays golf in Baltray and oh. plays a lot of it, knew him well. Oh, did he? And, I yeah, didn't and you know, they were different that. generations completely, but he yeah. had such great time for him. And I remember him being so sad when your dad passed and oh, saying it to me. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was a gent, my dad. Yes. You know, I think people always say, God, your dad is mm. such a gent. He was very old school. He was, you know, I have fabulous photographs of him. He was a good looking man. He looked a bit like Cary Grant. He, he played the piano beautifully. He'd have a little brandy sitting on top of it. He was, he, he had a bit of style, you know. Yes. Um, yes. And he loved the golf. I of mean, course. They, and actually, I said, once he wasn't able to play golf, that that would be the end of him. He'd throw in the towel and that's mm. how it worked out. It literally went from you know, nine holes to six holes to three holes. And then he was just too weak last summer. And and I just think that was it. I think he just thought, ah, oh, I'm done. Mm. Were you a little low in yourself after that? Was it something that hit you hard or did you were you able to pick yourself up and get going? I was OK because I think I was worse. I think I was very low before he died um, because he was so frail. And I think I could see how frustrated he was at not being able to get out to the golf. 
Uh, so I think last summer, I honestly, every time I came down to, to see him, my heart was in my boots. Mm. Um, so there was a little bit of relief in it. But you're always incredibly sad too. You have to deal with it. It's over. But it had been a bit of a struggle and I didn't want that to go on anymore. So mm. there was relief in it too. Mm. That interest, interesting interview you did late last year, you know, brought out a, a side of you. Well, one interesting side, I was reading the lad who interviewed you. He said he could barely pin you down. That's why she hasn't been here for a year, let me tell you with me, just to clarify <laughs> Which that. interview is this now? It was a lovely, it was in one of the newspapers, I read it, and, and you were busy at the time. And in fact, I think he, he, he I think this was very funny. We were sitting here today talking. He walked with you in the interview. Do you oh, remember yes, that? Do you know I the do. one I'm talking about? Stephen's Green with me. Yes. Was a Sunday Indo piece. Yes, that's it. That's yeah. the one. That's the one. Yeah. And you know, you were on the hoof, and then uh, you ma- managed to get you then. I think for a half an hour for a quick bite to eat, and the interview. Then it all took shape, etc. Mm. But you've been busy, and you are busy, and you continue to be busy. But is there always that? You know, when you're self-employed, and the next gig in 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 your game, and this game is a little uncertain. Does that always stay oh, never, with you? It never stops. You're, I'm always selling tickets. I'm always promoting, and the grafting. I'm still grafting you know that's the only thing I'd love to change I'd love to be able to be a bit more relaxed about it and not to be always having to promote stuff but that just goes it's the name of the game and I'm I'm grateful that I am working and it, it's going well so mm. I can't complain but any freelancer will tell you there's no holidays there's no pension there's no you know what I mean it's just things grind to a halt they grind to a halt (laughs) there's you know what I mean there's absolutely nobody going Mm. to offer you the next job Mm. I mean even now this show is coming to an end and I know I have to sit down and write the next I actually I'm not ready to gear up for the next one but Mm. I'll get there we're going to do more lines of okay on late lunch in a few minutes stay with us oh I have to say I just love her because you know what's sitting on the uh, desk here uh, as we sit and chat on late lunch she's brought me a lovely gift Thank you so much. No, no worries, love. As long as you drink my health when you open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank you God, very much. I love the colour of that. Yeah, there's a little That's pink, pink gin, gin there. And this, uh, you know, this is beautiful, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, spring is here. It's ah, time, isn't it? Spring is in the I end. Mean, it's an incredible day today. I yeah, thought. That's it now. Fantastic. Time to... Do your heart good, wouldn't you? On oh, a day, yeah. like, on oh, a day like that. You know, when you, uh, you work and you write and you create your own material in this wonderful show... Are there days that, you know, it's tougher than others? Like you said, today would do you good. Your heart is up, our spirits are up. But yeah. are there other days when it takes a little bit more? Well, there's days when I sit down to write and I don't come up with anything. I mean, uh, but I still have to put the hours in. I- I've kind of got a routine now how I write a show. I, I-, I write for about four hours in the morning. Um, some mornings it flows out of me and on other mornings I get nothing and I just have to roll with that there's nothing I can do but I've, I, but the great thing about experience and time is that I I know that's a process now and I can accept it you know so that's fine but it's still very frustrating you know mm. and I, I want to be putting the kettle on and treating myself to the Twix because I wrote a <laughs> joke that's going to put my kids through college you know <laughs> You said also that at one stage, and I look at you today, you are a very open woman. You know, you are. I'm too open, apparently. Well, this is what I was coming to. You know, in today's world where in a moment somebody can extract something from something you say, send it out across these social media platforms, and suddenly there's a different spin on this. Has Mm. that made you more careful, a little more? I thought it had. I probably am a little bit more wary of particular journalists and stuff that okay. I've been burned by. But um, 
generally speaking, I, I find it hard to change. You know, I, I think... I think it's kind of easier to be open. And if somebody's going to criticise me, well, so be it. What are you going to do? Mm. It's 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 too hard to change and be something else. And, and it I, would and restrict you. It would it? restrict you. And I'm a comic. You know, like if comics start restricting themselves, then it's all over. You we're know, done. We're, we're done. We're really done because we're, you know, meant to be kind of the rebels and saying the things that other people can't say. And if we're not doing that... Seriously, it's over. Do you know, that is true. That uh, you are social commentators across the board yeah. for people. And we need that. We need you to be able to pillory yeah. what needs to be pilloried Absolutely. and not worried about being um, up in that big building yeah, along the we, river in Dublin and that nonsense that goes on. You know yeah, what I mean? With, it's too difficult. Mm. I mean, the, the PC thing, I, I'm all for it in lots of ways um, because there's been too much you know, probably racism and not enough uh, compassion, but, mm. and that's all better. That's all for the good. Um, but we just have to be careful mm. to, you know, let the comics at it at least. <laughs> hey, I saw you. Paddy's morning, yourself and J.O., Jason, <laughs> the Grand Marshals of the National Parade. What did that mean to you? I'll tell you what it meant to me. I discovered that royalty is overrated. <laughs> Waving for two hours, lads. You don't want it. You don't. <laughs> But it was a great honour and I'd be eternally thankful for it. But yeah, no, not for me. Go, I'll leave it to Megan. <laughs> leave it to Megan and Harry. It's not all it's cracked up to be. You've heard it first on late lunch this I- afternoon. incredibly nice mm. to be asked. I was so touched, actually, because honestly, comics don't get that kind of recognition. It's left to sports people and yeah. more respectable people. So in a way, I think Jason and I were very taken aback that they asked us. You know, yes. um, But more importantly... I had the Comic Relief show, which I put together on in the Three Arena that night, and we are trying to sell 8,000 tickets uh, for Comic Relief, and all of the money goes to the homelessness and the refugee crisis. So it helped us enormously yes. to sell tickets, yeah. and I will be so grateful for that forever, because we raised 250 grand on the night. Uh, Congratulations, is, yeah, that's a massive sum of money. It's a massive sum of money, and it goes so far. I'm actually going out to Gaza with Trocra at the end of the month, because we supported a programme there to look after, treat about 7,000 children who had uh, malnutrition. So, oh my God, those poor people out there. I honestly, every time I see it and hear of it, I feel so sorry for them in the, uh, in the bind that they're caught in there at the moment. But well done to you. That's a quarter of a million. It's absolutely brilliant. Goggle box. I hear you on voiceovers. Is it for insurance? Appliances delivered, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I was in the car and I said, there's me date. She can talk about appliances and sell them to the world and she won't come to late lunch for a few minutes. Shut the fridge door. (laughs) I'm here now, Jerry. (laughs) She is indeed. Make the most of it. They're very actually catching and they do get your attention, I'd say. Uh, They really are working. I I think they are working. The fridges are flying out the door, I'm telling you. (laughs) Another thing, just before we finish, you moved back from London. London was where you lived for quite some time. Are you glad in the context of that thing that's going on at the moment? Oh, God, I'm so happy to be home. Yeah, no, I'd hate to be there in the middle of Brexit, but I was ready to come back anyway. I kind of just missed my tribe. I really missed, I I missed the way people talk, you know, and uh, I I feel like I create better here because this is my language and I just missed that. Mm. Terribly. You love this. Peter Walsh has been on from Clarehead to say on WhatsApp. Thank you, Peter. 
uh, Deirdre's dad was a true gentleman oh. who he played golf with on a number of occasions. If you knew him, Jerry, you would know where Deirdre got her smile from. Isn't that just oh, lovely, Peter? Thank you. That's a, thank a, a you. lovely, lovely comment to uh, Deirdre this afternoon. So anyway, you're back here and whatever happens with that other thing in the House of Parliament in the UK will happen. So the show, a line of okay in Vicar Street this night week, April the 4th. Tickets available from Yeah, Ticketmaster uh, or Vicar Street at the door if you don't want to pay the charges that they do be charging you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's probably my last one uh, okay. in, in this part of the country. Get along and see it. Thank you. You know something? It was worth waiting for. I want to come back to that point again. Listen, Lovely to see you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Not at and all. And here's your song. You wanted this one. Yes. Well, this was it. my show song with John last year. Read the show dance, I should say, that we danced to in the final. But it's always very fitting because I am an entertainer. So I kind of like it. Robbie Williams, let me entertain you. You've entertained us. Deirdre O'Kane, thank you. Thank you. Competition time and late lunch in conjunction with Oliver Goff's Husqvarna Open Day this Saturday. We have fantastic prizes to give away all this week. Every day, one lucky listener is winning a Husqvarna battery-powered hedge trimmer worth €295. So we've one of those up for grabs today. And at the end of the week, one of the daily winners will win a robotic Husqvarna automower. What is that, you ask? It's a self-operating lawnmower that cuts your lawn at any time of the day or night with no need for human intervention. It can cut through narrow slopes passages and obstacles in rain or shine there's no need to dispose of the clippings and it's fully controlled through your smartphone it can be worth up to €5,000 depending on the size of your garden how do you win the hedge trimmer today and go into the draw for the automower here's the question which one of these trees is an evergreen an evergreen tree which one is it A the Norway spruce B birch or C maple A Norway spruce B birch or C maple answers as quick as you can with your name and details to WhatsApp 08 086-1800-658 or you can text that number as well and the best of luck to you. They say there's a book in every one of us and it's also said it should stay there. Not so in the case of my next guest who has penned a beautiful wee memoir called Who Are You Anyway? It's a title summing up perfectly the words between the covers and I'm delighted to welcome back to Late Lunch Kathleen Tuesh. Kathleen, good to see you. Thank you, Jerry. Delighted Thank you very much for joining me. I simply love this book and I want to say that from the start it is touching it's emotional it's such a story you've told in it can I begin here one of your earliest memories was going to St Clair's baby home in Stamullen tell our listeners what were you going there for what age were you I was about three and a half maybe Uh, I was going we're going to take home my wee brother Patsy 
So Patsy, your mum and dad uh, decided to adopt this little boy. Yeah. And you you remember that? I remember that so clearly. I remember the swans on the each side of the of the lawns on the path. There was a pathway, a big long pathway up to the drive. And mm. there were swans on each side. I you can still see that? Yeah, I can see that, yeah. What was yeah. that, the late 50s? That was about... Um, I was maybe early 60s. Early 60s, yeah. okay, around that I time I was 59 anyway. when I was adopted, so okay. it was a year or so maybe after that. Mm. But here's the thing, and you've just given the, the, the game away there. You didn't know for a number of years after Patsy came to your home, there was the two, your brother and yeah. sister, that you were actually adopted. Well, or I did you? You see, I, I did to an extent. I, I knew off, but I didn't know what it meant. I knew I was. I knew the word adopted was there in the house because my mother would say when she was introducing me to people in town and Carrick, she'd say, "Ah, oh, here's the wee girl I adopted." Now I hated that because that was a label. Yeah. Even that young, I didn't like it, but I didn't know what it meant. It was only when I was at school in fifth or sixth, fifth class, maybe somebody said to me, one of the girls said one day, "Is your mum and dad dead?" And I thought, "Oh God, no! They're at home in the kitchen." I didn't, and it's only then I said nothing, but I knew she educated me that day as to what adoption meant. Another moment in yeah, your life that'll I'll always that stay so clear, with you. Yeah. And did you, did you go home and talk to them at no, all about it? No, no. You kept this within yourself. This is my stuff. I, you know, I didn't. And I don't know why I didn't, but I didn't. You had a happy childhood with your adoptive parents. You have to say that you lived on a small farm. Mm-hmm. You, you had, they looked after you well? Oh, yeah, I appreciated everything. You see, um, it was a very a small wee farm. We had cows and a couple of pigs and chickens and mm. all that stuff went on. And the lane was busy. There was a lot of people living there, little four or five houses, and they all had their own little farms and everyone was busy. Mm. And we all knew each other very well. So Bridget and Charlie were your mum and your dad, adopted mum, uh, adoptive mum and dad, did that... No, Bridget qu- Charlie was my mum, my Sorry, real parents. Your, real yeah. pa- your adoptive parents, what were their names? Mary and Joe McKay. Sorry, Mary and Joe was right. Now, t- uh, tell me this. Did that question rumble on within you, you know, from fifth, sixth class in primary school? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I always felt... I always felt kind of out of place somewhere or other. Mm. I didn't feel connected or something. And I felt I had... My dad had... Really, nephews and nieces, and they were the nicest people, and are the nicest people. You couldn't ask for nice, good families, but I felt there were kind of relations. And my uncle was the same. I felt kind of related. I didn't feel. I knew they weren't mine, mm. but they were fine. There was nothing wrong yes. with that. But it was just the way it was. Yes, but you, you know, had that feeling. It was something I carried in. Yeah, you know, with I didn't, you. Yeah. So you went to the Louis and Carrick, and I, I read in the book you loved the Louis there. Adored it. I absolutely adored it. But you decided then to take a different tack. You went to the technical school, did you? For I a did while? because I thought I did my juniors or inter was it inter cert at the time? Yeah, and no, I didn't. I did my group cert, mm. and then decided I couldn't do any more exams. I hated exams. So I loved the school, but I went to do a secretarial course in Enver, in the, in the tech as it was called. Hated it. My fingers used to get stuck between the keys of the thing. <laughs> and the teacher didn't like me and I didn't like her. So there's no win situation. So I spent about three months there and um, got the guts to, to go back and ask Sister Salem, would you take me back? to Because I knew I couldn't leave school. I had no qualifications. Yeah. And it was, I just knew I couldn't go at that stage. I couldn't leave. But I love school, but I didn't like exams. Yeah. So um, Sister Salem, God bless her, 
took me back and gave me a big hug and said, you're welcome back, you know, anytime, you know. So Which got you on the right track she, again. I was fantastic, yeah. So I did me intercert at the yeah. time and then I got a scholarship to Cal Brew Street. Uh, what age I, were you? I was 16. I, I worked in Cabra Castle, you see, at weekends. Yes. And this scholarship was to do with catering and all that stuff and mm. hotel business. And I had a little bit of info, a little bit of knowledge of the... I, I loved Cabra Castle and I loved the crack in it and I loved all that stuff. And sure, I, I kind of had a wee inkling of how to talk about mm. in the interview. So You got the place? Got, you yeah, got the scholarship? Got, yeah, fab. And did you stay in Dublin? I did. I stayed in Mount Joyce Square for two years in a hostel. At oh, 16 and 17 and 18 years of age? Yeah, yeah. I finished, I started when I was 16 and then I was finished at 18. And I loved Dublin. I loved the dubs. They used to was reminded me like, you know, mm. I'd be standing in, in Parnell Street waiting on the bus to come home for rain and, and they'd say, the shopkeeper would say, come in the rain, love. And really and truly, like, they were, they were so kind. They were the nicest people. Yes. And I still, you can't say a bad word about it up to me. Yeah. Like, you know, I, fab. There's you a know. nature about so, the real an, Dublin person. Oh, they were yeah. lovely. And yeah. you saw that at And the we time. were minded in a hostel as well. We got mm-hmm. our, it was great. There was nuns there as well. And so they were fab too, mm-hmm. you know. So. so you had a great time. You did your studies. You completed your qualification. And back again. You got a job in Cabra, did I you? I did, yeah. I worked as a chef. And well, I worked in Cabra from I was 12 until I was... Even after the kids were born, I was there off and on doing different jobs in it, you mm. know. Mm. But yeah, Capricast was my thing, my place to be. Loved it and still do, you know. So you're maturing and you're growing mm. up as a young woman, an attractive young woman, 18, late teens, into your early 20s and Cupid's arrow. <laughs> strikes. It just strikes. Who was James? James was James Chute from Castle Bellingham. Uh, met him in Capri Castle again. And we got married when I was 20, Kelly, yeah, 20. And uh, I got over about 10 months. Just and knew that was it, yeah. He was the one. He was the one. You set your yeah. eyes on him. There was a bit of a love battle initially, but there was another one on the scene, was there? I know, well, he was, uh, yeah, he was after being, with, he was engaged previously and was broken up. And, yeah. yeah. But no, that was just the way it was. So he was the one for you. There was no doubt about that. You got married. You were pregnant when you got married, yes? Mm-hmm. Expecting your first yes, baby. and I couldn't tell anybody. Nobody, I didn't tell. Well, he, of course, knew. We talked and we said, yeah, it was grand. We all understood that. We had talked about getting married very soon after we met. I don't mm. know what it was, but we did. Mm. But uh, then this, I got pregnant and we kind of pulled it a bit forward. Mm. But, uh, did you tell your mother and father? No. Nobody in the no, family? No, I didn't tell anybody. Did he tell anybody? Oh, you know, I don't know if he did or not. I didn't anyway. But this was the 70s. What are you this talking about? What year were you married? 77. Yeah. It wasn't an easy time. You, you know, well, I knew, what, I knew what my own mum had gone through. I was feeling for her. And I just said, well, there's no one going to know this because I'm not going to have, they're not going to be, um, this is my thing. I'm going to mind my child regardless, one way or the other. So it wasn't. So was you were given up for, for adoption. You knew this. Did you know this at this stage or did you oh, find I did. out later? I you, did. You knew. I knew. I knew I was adopted, but I didn't know how or why. Okay. I didn't know the circumstances. All right. I but, didn't know that um, anything about my mother at the time. But you felt my child is not going to face anything like this. So you get married. The child is born. Kelly was your first baby. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she was a wee little thing. Four pounds something. Twelve. Yeah. Yeah. And she oh had my God. That was my first relation. My first relative. Massive, massive, massive um, excitement. I was joy. It was, you know, it was great to hold this little person, this little thing, and she was she was mine, so precious. You know, every baby's precious, but 
for me, this was really amazing, you know. Because as the title of the book says, in your mind, and you've been telling us, you were wondering, who am I anyway? Yeah. And here was something, this little baby yeah. was your flesh and blood. Yeah. Hey, you didn't stop there. You did well afterwards. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. The Magnificent Seven. You had seven of them, Kathleen. Yeah. I don't, thank God they're all great kids. Mm. And you know what's great about them now? Look, there's five of them parents. And they're excellent parents. How many grandchildren have you? Twelve. Yeah. It's a growing, a growing flock, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, other great. Yeah, thank God. Now, number seven was coming. Kelly was eighteen at this stage. I'm sure <laughs> she was impressed, was she? No, she wasn't impressed at all. No, no. So she was doing her leave and certain. I was pregnant, and gee, wasn't the done thing, you know? So hmm. when teenagers are teenagers, they don't think your mum and dad or anything's going on. Like they just yeah. think, you know. I know it doesn't yeah, happen. It doesn't happen. And your marriage was faltering at this stage. It was slipping, sliding. Yeah. It was. And soon you would split from James. Yeah. It yeah, would end. Yeah. And it, you were left looking after them? It was, yeah, I was looking after them anyway because yes. um, alcohol and the drink was taken over. Like, um, it was beating both of us. Mm. Mm. And, you know, when there's kids there, you're kind of, you have no time for yourself. You don't know who you are. You don't know what's going on because you're trying to survive. Yeah. You know. But it ended. It ended. The search for your mum. When did that really begin? The search for my mum began about 35 years ago, seriously. I've thought about it from I was about 12 or 13, coming off the school bus. I prayed for her every day, hoping she, everything was OK. Well, I didn't know whether she's dead or alive, but I was always thought of her, you know. But 35 years ago, I started I seriously asking. When I had my fourth child, I was looking to see, what did they look like? Are they, who are they like? Are they like me? Are they like... James yeah. or the like who Who is my mother who is my yeah. father how long did it take before you found out well I only found my mother's name about seven years ago and how did that happen how did you find five. it I went down to Monaghan to the registry office with a friend and the place was closed and I remember coming out saying thank God and I said thank God was because I actually did something practically I got into the car and I drove down so went in then to look at the the, um, the cathedral in Monaghan and to see, maybe meet someone that could give me some information. So I ended up, really, but the funniest part of this was in the bishop's house down behind the cathedral. And I thought it was a parochial house. And I walked in the door and I thought, I kind of make myself at home when I go to, I opened the door into the utility room or whatever it was. <laughs> and there was a sheet lying across a clothes horse and I thought of somebody dead, like, and kind of... And this friend of mine started to laugh, you know, and I thought, gee. So the housekeeper comes out and she introduces, takes me in and introduces. And um, there was a couple of people sitting around in the office and I, she said, whoever this was, and I said, how are you, Father? And it had turned out to be the Bishop of Clough, Liam McDade. He was only new at the time. Yeah. But he was so nice, he was very pleasant. And um, he kind of, he wrote out a little map from where we were to the, Paris Centre in Monaghan Town which was up around the roundabout and that and that's where we went and found um, this girl when I looked for the name for my name there was nothing in it on the 26th of August in the big book it was a massive big book nothing at all and I thought my god there was a few minutes or seconds there that I thought there was nothing happening there's I was you know, did I really There's exist? no record of you. There's no record do I exist at all like you know it was like and suddenly then I heard her saying Kathleen there's um there's another book, she said, and she opened the hospital register. And on the 26th of August, I was there in the biggest print you'll ever see. 
And then down was my mother and father and Mara Clune's name. And then I thought, oh, God, this is probably set up again or fix or something, you know. So I looked, went to the left of the page. It was a very long page. And I turned to the left of the page and I could see crossed off Shanton. And I thought, oh, there's something going on here, you know. And then my mother's name, Bridget McCudden, sat there. It was unreal. Yeah. Did that Yeah, I, I, I don't bring know how a closure it, as such? Or not closure, but... You know, you said a moment ago, you thought there was nothing. I was nothing. How did I come into this world? Yeah. And suddenly. Yeah, there she was, her name. And I looked for that name in my heart and soul for years. And it was like, actually seeing, and it was so simple to get it. Like, it was actually in that book for years. Mm. And I didn't know that. But I knew from I was 10 years of age that um, standing on the doorstep at home in Maracloon, that I was close to home that my people were near. I always knew that. Because I remember when I had a social worker with me, uh, she was from around Drogheda actually somewhere, I remember saying to her, do not look any further than Mon- stay in Monaghan. Hmm. So it's Bridget getting... McCudden was your mum and yeah. your dad was Charlie Connolly. Yeah. And Shanton at the townland yeah. is where they, the area, they were from. Yeah, yeah. And they, were, they lived, um, I'd say, a field apart when they were growing up. And there's a grave between them now, down in Lahagish. Where they're buried. Where they're buried. And I only discovered my dad's people last year. I didn't know that and I've standing beside his grave the last seven years. My God, isn't this just an incredible story? So last Christmas, it was last Christmas, I was able to take a wee bit of holly of Charlie's grave and give it to, to Bridget because I had none for, I couldn't find any buried one. Mm. And it was, it was so precious to be able to do that, like, mm. you know. So suddenly, you know who you are. You know your people. Have you made contact with... I have. ...families on both yeah. sides, yes? Yeah. And how I've, how did that work? Did you it worked out great, because actually, it's amazing. There was be, the nicest people you could ever meet. Nobody ever questioned or kind of... No, no animosity. It was all lovely friendship and welcoming and, mm. you know... Isn't that um, wonderful? It's, it's amazing, yeah, because... Yeah, it's incredible. And the other thing I wanted to say, your brother, which we st- we started talking about at the beginning of this conversation, Patsy, yeah. was killed tragically in an accident. He was 15 and he died in a car accident just up the road from Cabri Castle, just down between our house and Cabri Castle. Yeah, he was killed with Joe, another friend of his. And you were a young girl at that time. I that was, was another over, blow to you in your life. Yeah, I was over 16 and devastated. But bring it up to the current day. You went and traced yeah. his... Kit and Kin. Yeah. You found his brother. I found his brother and he's a sister, Mary and Kerry. It was her I found first. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. 
do social workers in with a Facebook group called Adoption Rights Alliance. And um, I, it, it was kind of so a week of another guy that was killed actually uh, that was part of the accident, the seventy four accident. It was his wake, and I was looking for I was looking for photograph of Patsy and I got the photographs of everyone else. And I come away thinking, God, he's not there. He's gone. He's forgotten. And I came out with a really very, very heavy heart that night. And it was that that started the whole thing rolling. That I couldn't. And last year, last June, the 24th of June was his 60th birthday. So I had a mass from him in Maracloon Community Centre and a wee cake. And uh, mm. I had a mass in the church and then in the community centre. So I had his brother, his family, uh, Dominic Dunnigan and his family was there. And... Uh, all my people, cousins and everyone was there. So it was fantastic. My kids, my grandkids and people on both sides. It was amazing. It was, you know. You're an amazing woman because <laughs> you've qualified as a counsellor and you've gone back to education and you've written this book and I just have so much admiration for you. And I think this book is fantastic. It's a lovely, lovely book. One of the nicest I've read in a long, long time. Thank you want you. to mention Maggie Sheridan before we finish? Yeah, I'd like to say hello to Maggie. Maggie Sheridan's my mum's, one of my mum's very close friends. She grew up together and um, she's the first lady I met down in Chantana you know and she and was able to paint a picture more was, of a picture she, about your your, yeah, your birth mum she's the, the place I go to now when I go down there more so than anyone I love going to Maggie she's very very special and to all our family so yeah where is this book available tell me well, it's available in, in Carrick Cross. It's in McAvoy's actually in Dundalk. Uh, there's a few in it. I have to leave more in. I'm going to get talking to them again. Mm. It's in Keegan's Carrick Cross, Bordy's Carrick Cross, O'Gorman's. It's in Shercock and Mary Duffy's in Baylor, in Ballabay and Smith's. And there's a wee, yeah. It's all over the Maracoon, place. Maracoon, Filling Station and McGrain's. God, I can't forget Maracoon. <laughs> oh, don't forget home. that yeah. either. And Bernie McGrain's. Who Are You Anyway by Kathleen Chute. I highly recommend it. We've a signed copy if you'd like it. She'll sign it for you and we'll give it away to somebody today. The question is, in which county is Shantana? In which county is Shantana? If you've been listening, you'll know. Get your answers in to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Brilliant, Kathleen. Lovely to meet you again today. Thank you, Jerry. Good luck with this and the rest of your life. Thanks a million. Thank Thanks you very a much. Thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk. The March sales event is now on, offering low APR finance and deposit contribution across the 191 Renault range. Offer ends March 30th, so call into Blackstone Motors, Drogheda or Dundalk today to see how affordable buying a new Renault is. East Coast Cookery School, the month of March and this year, as you do know by this stage, Tara Walker is cooking the flavours of the Boyne Valley. And I have to say, you've knocked me for six with this one because never did I expect that we'd be using the beautiful Listoke gin. I'd been chatting to Brona and I thought it would be really interesting just to do something a little bit different. You do see gin on menus, you know, on the food menu a little bit and I just thought it'd be nice to use it and do something a little bit different with it. Well, as you know, Jerry, I got a special delivery of freshly caught trout from yourself last Tuesday evening and I popped it into the freezer. So we're going to do a gin-cured trout. Now, obviously, if people don't have trout that they've caught themselves, they can use salmon in this dish. And then we're going to do a very, very simple kind of midweek meal of rigatoni a la Listoke gin and then for dessert we have a gin posset. My oh my the things you can do with gin isn't it just amazing and of course in each of these episodes this year we have the person who makes the Boyne Valley produce and the wonderful Brona Conlon is here today in East Coast Cookery School 
Are you as surprised as me at the versatility of the gin? I'm delighted to be here. Thank you, Tara, for picking the gin. I haven't actually really used it myself, and I do like to think that sometimes I can cook. This is going to be really, really exciting because it is versatile. There are huge menus now with food and gin included as as an ingredient as well as an accompaniment. Um, So this this is very exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing how it can be done. And to have it over three courses is just quite phenomenal. It is. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. And you know, the gin is superb, as we know, and you're flying along out there now in Monaster Boyce and you're teaching people how to make it and they're buying it and it's been sold all over this country and way beyond as well. But this opens up another aspect, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, and I suppose as, as you know, Taris was Taris doing here is part of the Discover Boyne Valley flavours and it just means that you know when we do talk with people and the things like place and the plate and events and things like that that we can say, okay, there is the drinks element to it because like me, there's a huge drinks geared region as well as everything else as well as food um, and I think from our point of view then just to see how it can be used and utilised in, in many a way instead of just being stuck in behind a bar so yeah I mean it's inspiration for others as well as for us so it's brilliant well done I see a beautiful trout here yes even though I say it myself <laughs> ready to go yeah no I was delighted I mean it's kind of funny do you remember last summer I was actually ordering trout from you for classes as if you were a trout supplier and <laughs> um, so I just delighted to get it but I've done one ahead of time because you need to cure it for a little while. It's it's nearly more like a ceviche, I suppose, than a cured trout dish. So I have filleted the trout here and I'm just trimming it down a little bit. But what I really want to do is just get really, really nice little thin slices of the trout. So I'm using my knife kind of in a downward motion here and then I'm flattening it out at the end just to get really small thin pieces so essentially this is going to be a raw dish but you don't need to be too worried about it because the gin and the lemon in it are going to almost cook it so you'll see the texture will have actually changed so it won't be completely raw anymore but actually because this was frozen as well you know if there i wouldn't be kind of worried about using it raw when it has been frozen Okay, so you're taking these tiny little slivers off the trout there. The bones and everything are gone out of it, so it's just pure flesh, as thin as you can get them there. Yeah, wafer thin, because, you know, you want them to kind of cook a little bit as well. And then for the basis of the flavour then, we have some shallot, very, very finely chopped, going onto the bottom of a plate. Then I'm going to just pop my slices of trout over them. And then over here, I've got some lovely flavours which will complement the gorgeous Lestoke gin. I've got some fennel seeds and some juniper berries here in my pestle and mortar and I've just ground them down. So let me just wash my hands and I'll be back to you. So we're just going to pop a nice sprinkling of the juniper berry and fennel seed mixture over the trout. A nice squeeze of lemon and I have about a tablespoon of the Lestoke gin, making sure it's kind of drizzled evenly. And we're going to just finish off with a little bit of Oriel sea salt and a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. And that's going to go into the fridge now, making sure that the trout is well covered, I should say. And look, here's one I made earlier, Jerry. Let's just show you the colour difference. Can you see around the edges? It's kind of going white in colour almost. So we're going to finish it up with a couple of garnishes before we serve up. And as well, at this point, when you take it out of the fridge, if there are any pieces of the trout that have been sticking up out of the gin and the lemon juice, just use a teaspoon to make sure you get a little bit over. So you see that bit has been kind of standing up a bit higher. Just make sure it's all coated in the mixture. And to garnish this, we're going to do some fancy cucumber, which we're going to blowtorch. Well, I have to say, I've been here with you 
I don't know how long now. But the aroma after you dressed that trout with the gin was just special. You can imagine this is a real, like this is a starter. It's, it's a real appetiser. I'm dying to see what you're going to do with this cucumber. I'm not really peeling the cucumber completely. I'm just taking the really sort of heavy bit out of it, um, of the peel. Brona would tell you that gin is lovely with cucumber. So that's what kind of put it in mind just to do something with the cucumber. So just take the really rough kind of skin off and then I'm going to pop it onto the mandolin. Get some nice slices and then I'm just going to blowtorch it and add a bit of lemon juice and salt onto the cucumber. So nice thin slices. Then I have a blowtorch. This is actually a great blowtorch. It's from Lidl. If you see them in Lidl, get them. Because the catering ones, you have to buy um, little little small tins of butane, which are not that easy to come by. Whereas this one is just like a, it's like a lighter. It, you can refill it with lighter fluid, so it's very handy. So let's get this on. And we're just going to blowtorch... We're just going to caramelise essentially the cucumber. Just takes a minute. So look, when you see a bit of colour on your cucumber, you can then just pop a little bit of salt and a little bit of lemon juice on them. And I can verify there is lovely colour on the blowtorch cucumber there. And on goes the salt. And a small squeeze of lemon. And we'll set those to one side for a few minutes. Uh, just making sure that the little bit of trout that had been sticking out of that nice kind of uh, marinade essentially is just well covered. So we'll finish that off in a moment. And in the meantime, I'm going to get a start on our little pasta dish. So I have some onions just caramelising nice and slowly with the pinch of salt as always here. Then once the onions are pretty much done, add your garlic in. Obviously the garlic is much more delicate than the onion, so you want to make sure the onion's pretty much done. And this very, very straightforward little recipe get a bit of heat under that and then we're going to deglaze with a little bit of our Stoke gin and I'm sure listeners will ask when you put the gin onto the pan here as the garlic just uh, heats through now does the alcohol evaporate? Yes, it does. So it's just, we're going to be left with the lovely flavour of the gin, but without the alcohol. And I'm sure Brona will tell you more about what, what pl- flavours are in here and what botanicals are in here. That's why I went with the juniper berry in the trout there, because I thought it would be quite complimentary to the, the gin. So let me just pop the gin onto the pan. And you can see it's bubbling away there. And when it's completely uh, evaporated, then I'm going to add some tomato and some cream in. The aroma, Brona, coming off that pan, isn't it? Something else. That is something else. It's absolutely amazing. It's so simple as well. Just the onion and garlic and then a little bit of the the listoke on it. Um, But yes, the the flavours in the listoke will bring out definitely the juniper, Tara, you're 100% there. Um, There's also rowan berries there, which are lovely and earthy. um, And a little hint of orange. um, You know, so there's, there's lovely... There's lovely sort of hedgerow flavours as well as as, the, as your citrus, which will go fantastic, you know, with trout as well. Smell the pan now. Just smell those lovely aromas. So we are just left with the lovely flavour and the scent, but not the actual alcohol yeah. here. Yeah. So the pan is completely dry and almost clean again. And I'm just going to add tomato passata. If you didn't have passata, you could just use... I just happened to have this open in the fridge. Uh, I would have used a tin of tomatoes otherwise. Mm-hmm. A tin of chopped tomatoes. So just pop that in. And then we're going to finish off with a little dollop of cream now in a second. That has been simmering there for a moment or two. And I'm just going to add a dash of cream in. And I'm going to have a taste now for seasoning. I might want to adjust the seasoning. I may want a little pinch of sugar, which I would usually put in a tomato sauce like this. But I'm thinking I probably won't with the gin being in there because it's giving off its own nice zesty sort of flavour to it. So let's have a taste. Mm. Nope. 
no sugar going in just going to leave it as is and then I have some lovely rigatoni which I'm just going to toss through and I kept a little bit of the cooking water just in case it just helps the, the sauce to stick to the pasta a bit more pop that in yeah I'm going to put a little bit of the cooking liquid in as well we're going to serve up with plenty of flat leaf parsley and a little bit of parmesan cheese that is simplicity personified because when you look at the trout ceviche and how that's simple yet sophisticated and this is just so simple the past isn't it so simple and so easy to make that nobody has an excuse not to do it no you're not going to be over a hot stove for hours with any of this at all ready ready by the time you've made a gin and tonic (laughs) (laughs) she knows when to get the plugs in doesn't she this Brona Conlon she's a sharp one all right this is a dish for a special occasion so I was trying to give your listeners a variety here so we have a really really simple pasta dish perfect midweek meal but we also have a nicer kind of more elegant little dish suitable for a dinner party or a special occasion stay with us on late lunch we have two dishes prepared we have dessert to come it's the flavours of the Boyne Valley with Tara Walker this year and this time in the month of March 2019 it's Listoke Gin we'll be back in a couple of moments to taste and to prepare our little pudding Welcome back to East Coast Cookery School. Yes, flavours of the Boyne Valley and it's Listoke Gin today. And Brona Conlin's here with us from Listoke Gin and Tara Walker working her magic on the uh, hub and worktop here. So you're just finishing off our pasta dish. Yeah, so I've just gone out to the garden there and I've gotten a little bit of parsley. Um, you could use basil either, it'd be quite nice. And a nice generous uh, shaving of parmesan over. And that's a very, as you can see, very simple midweek meal. And then I'm just going to finish up with our trout dish. Now that I know that the trout has been well kind of covered by those nice marinade, let's get the slices of cucumber on in between. So here we go, some nice fresh fennel fronds. And let's have a taste of this, guys. You're on a winner. That is fantastic. Well, I'm glad to hear because something I didn't tell you is this is my experiment. I've never made this before. So I haven't even tasted it myself. So I'm glad to hear you like it. Good food, no stress. Volume two, this is in. (laughs) Great stuff. No, I'm glad. I mean, I've made similar things, but just not this particular combination with the trout and the list oak gin, you know. It's so fresh. It's amazing. Mm. And you can get all the flavours of you know coming through on it. That's, that's, that's amazing, Tara. Well done. It really oh. is. And I've done this in the past with mackerel. Fresh mackerel I've cut off our head and I've done this and cured it simply like this. And there's nothing to beat it. People often say, oh, it's raw, it's raw. Not a bit of it. No, not at all. It isn't even, you couldn't even think of it being raw. It is just delicious. Really, really, really good. You know how much I like fish anyway, and we're lucky living next to Clarahead here. But I love doing different types. I do a scallop ceviche on the fish landed in Clarahead class. I do a salmon, um, sort of like a gravlax, but, but also with some lime juice in our Christmas class. And I just think you have a feeling of well-being when you eat this kind mm. of food that's so mm. fresh, mm. so light. And you know it's full of nutrition because you haven't cooked all the nutrients out of it. While we're at it, Brona, get that fork again until we give this pasta which is the, our main course today let's have a little taste of this fella I can get your gin in that dish even though you have the tomato sauce the cheese mm-hmm. and the pasta can't you, can't yeah. you really get you it? You can actually get the taste of the mm. botanicals and the strength of the, the juniper especially in the background of it. It's absolutely delicious and so simple <laughs> That's the thing. and it just looks amazing so absolutely fantastic. Oh I'm fantastic. having another shovel full yeah, of this. I'm Hold on a minute. Too, so I am. Tara come on. You've done this before. I'm no, sure. I haven't, Jerry. So once oh. again, we're guinea pigs today <laughs> for oh this. My but you know something? We're very happy guinea pigs. Oh, yeah. That is really 
classy, isn't it, for some, such a simple dish? Yeah, you can really get, as, as um, Brona said, the botanicals there, because I have made similar dishes with just, you know, tomato sauce and a nice homemade tomato sauce. But there's a little elegance to this, I think, because of the botanicals in there. There's just another little added dimension of flavour. And actually, if you really think about it, can you get the sense? I've only had one piece. Your tongue's almost slightly dry after it. And that's the dryness from the gin. It's yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's absolutely beautiful. We have to give that the absolute thumbs up as well. Two down, one to go. What's for pudding? Happy days. Another experiment. I might as well just come clean right now. <laughs> I mean, these are all experiments, but at the same time, I'm following basic principles of dishes that I would do regularly. Okay, so we're moving on. And finally today, what you're going to produce, and this is simple again, yeah. Yeah, we have a gin posset. There's a lot of sugar in a pan of the cougar there. Yeah, Jerry. So we're going to make our lemon posset now. So this is an indulgent. But I actually think if you were to have all three dishes that we're making here today, overall, you'd have a fairly tasty light meal that wouldn't Mm. be you know nothing too unhealthy in there so I've got double cream and it's essential to have double cream for this recipe otherwise the posset won't set so you know posset is originally a drink and it was a kind of um, sweet drink that people would have years and years like in medieval times I think even uh, well a long time ago anyway and it's like a little sweet drink that would just was supposed to kind of reinvigorate you if you're tired weary and tired traveler so my sugar is gone in with my double cream how much sugar? I have 100 grams to 250 cream. So what we're going to do is we're going to gradually bring it up to a little simmer. I have a little bit of lemon zest going in. And that's just going to add a little bit of flavour. But I'm not putting the juice in this time. And then I have a tablespoon of my Listoke gin going in. The key ingredient in all dishes today at East Coast Cookery School. Absolutely. No wonder we're all smiling and so happy. <laughs> We're very cheerful today. This is the happiest we've ever been in this school. (laughs) So let's get a little stir on that. What we're just looking to do is dissolve the sugar. So you can see the sugar is completely dissolved there. We have our lemon zest in there and now our gin is in there. So we're just going to bring it up to a boil and then we're going to pop it into some nice pretty glasses. Do you bubble it for long? No, just two or three minutes. Yep. You'll see, you'll kind of nearly know, know yourself because it'll start to thicken ever so slightly and then you know you're ready to go job done with the posset i'm just popping it into the glass jug for a second and i'm straining it there just to take the lemon out of it and i'm going to pop it in i put it into a glass jug first before putting it into my little glasses because i don't want it so hot that it's going to break my glasses so i've got these little pretty glasses here and like if you've got like a little sherry glass or something like that or a little um trifle glass or something like that it's quite nice or even teacups can be quite nice for it as well so just pour it in and then pop it into the fridge to set as she goes to the fridge to pop out a couple that Tara got together a little earlier on. Oh, they're beautiful, aren't they? I can just... Oh, she has even two different shaped glasses just to show us her versatility with presentation. Fantastic. So I just have a couple of raspberries here. Now, they're not completely set yet, but if you just leave them in the fridge for another couple of hours, they will be. And I have a raspberry and a little mint leaf going on to each. And then I'm going to pop a little bit of icing sugar over just for a little bit of decoration. And I think that's quite a nice little sort of after dinner palate cleanser. It's the only snow I hope we see in March. (laughs) The little bit of uh, white stuff on top of the posset. Aren't they just beautiful? Brona, come on. I'm glad there's somebody here today to help me, to be honest. Oh my goodness, that is just amazing. And yet again, with the lemon, but you can still get the gin in the background. 
Oh, it's so good. And I, I saw the sugar and I saw the, the, the cream and I thought, oops. But really, you know, it is a small portion. So good. It's yeah. delicious. It is delicious. And you can have those made the day before, by the way. You know, if you're having people over for dinner or something, yeah. you want to get some jobs out of the way. The one thing I would say is if you have made them the day before, take them out of the fridge at least half an hour before you want to set them because they get very cold and then you, you lose the flavour when they're really, really cold. But they're so easy to do. I take it that in Le Stoke Gin School, Monaster Boyce, there's a new angle now. I'm just actually thinking that myself and I'm actually thinking as well, we could just develop gins that specifically could go with specific foods. So maybe let's start on that one, Tara. Yes. Yeah, maybe we'll have to look and see yeah. just what else we can do. And but I, it's, amaz- it's amazing. Brona, thank you so much for uh, joining us here today with your gin and it's proved to be a real winner in three brilliant dishes. I have to say, it's just, it's brilliant. And really, it brings back what the, the whole ethos of, of what you've been doing with the series, working with the Discover Born Valley flavours. It just brings it all straight out there. You know, you can see the products and you can see what you're doing. And it's well done. 10 out of 10. Brilliant is right. Tara, congratulations to you. We were guinea pigs today, but we've absolutely (laughs) thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been brilliant. It really has. And to incorporate gin into cooking like this is fantastic in three wonderful dishes. Details available from East Coast Cookery School and all your recipes. On eastcoastcookeryschool.ie. Thank you so much. It'll be hard to top this one as the year travels on. (laughs) Thanks, Jerry. Good to see you and see you next month. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk. The March sales event is now on, offering no deposit and low APR finance across the Dacia range. Offer ends March 30th, so call into Blackstone Motors, Drogheda or Dundalk today to see how affordable buying a new Dacia is. Yes, Kathleen chewed with us earlier on the show. What a story. Who are you anyway is the name of our book. And we've had lots of people interested in the signed copy. And the winner today is Gwen Kearns from Tear Worker. Well done to you, Gwen. Uh, we'll send that copy of uh, Kathleen's book out to you. And quite a number of people uh, onto us telling us they've got the book already. And it is fabulous, Jerry. It really, really is. Now, gardening lesson number four. Four of the week for Miss Louise Walsh. Are you ready to go today? Yes? Yes. I just popped the question in quickly. Which of these trees is an evergreen? Norway spruce, birch or maple? I know this, I know this, I know this. It's the Norway spruce. You are right. Well done to you, yes. It is an evergreen tree. The birch and the maple are deciduous trees. That means they shed their leaves every autumn. So Twig that one today. (laughs) Indeed, you did. And lots of people did as well. We've got a great response on WhatsApp and text to this one. And today I have to say, predominantly, the right answer is there as well. But there can only be one winner this Thursday of the wonderful Husqvarna a battery-powered hedge trimmer kit worth €295 comes to us courtesy of Oliver Goff on Flower Hill in Navan and they're having the big open day this Saturday from 8 till 4 o'clock and there's a range of special offers on the Husqvarna auto mowers, battery equipment and petrol machinery and don't forget your lucky duck Aoife Walsh you are the winner today Aoife Walsh is the winner uh, from Clotterhead got the right answer there you're in the hat with the other three winners Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for that wonderful robotic Husqvarna auto mower it's worth, it could be worth up to €5,000, depending on the size of your garden. But we'll be drawing that one tomorrow when we get the fifth winner of the week as well. Do you like trees, Louise? I do. I don't know many of them, but yeah. I, I, yeah, I do. They're lovely. They make a big difference and they're very important to us in, in terms of the ecosystem and nature as well. But here's another one we uh, spotted today. What about this? A bottle of wine a week is as big a cancer risk as 10 cigarettes. 
It's ridiculous. Well, what was the other day? Wasn't there something Last about- week, wasn't it? A glass of red wine every day is actually good, good for you. Good for you. So is there four, six glasses in a bottle? So if you have, that's a bottle a week if you have a glass of wine a day. So mm. now it's saying that'll kill you. What do you believe? Who do you believe? You take it all with a pinch of salt. You do. And a glass of wine. <laughs> As well. <laughs> <laughs> My God almighty. It just You don't know day to day, do you? You just hear this, you hear that. You it changes, think, doesn't it? You just oh, have to yeah. try your best and just Even eat Even drink in moderation, balance, have a bit of everything and enjoy life. And, you know, look at these things are there. There are surveys, there are findings. There's some scientific, there's some not, you know. But anyway, that's the latest story on the bottle of wine if you want to take heed of it. Now, here's a word I wonder have uh, late lunch listeners ever heard. It's a first on me, to be honest with you, when I heard it for the first time this afternoon. Aquamation. Aquamation. Do you know what aquamation is, folks? Well, we're going to explain it in detail after this short break. A Meath mortician is planning to open the first Irish facility to offer eco-friendly cremations without fire. Elizabeth Oakes is currently in talks with the planning authorities to open the revolutionary Aquamation Centre, which will offer water-based cremations. I'm curious. I'm sure you are too. And Elizabeth is on the line. Hello, Elizabeth. Hi, Harry. How are you? I'm very good. Nice to talk to you again. Where did you come across this? Well, I am actually a funeral director and embalmer, and um, I did a degree in mortuary science in America. And recently, I was over there at a trade show, and I saw this new technology, and it's eco-friendly, um, and there's huge benefits for both the environment and the individual. Um, and I thought, oh my God, this is definitely the future. So I've decided to bring the technology to Ireland and open the first aquamation centre here. It's different for sure, and all those points you make are very true. Now, how does it work? How, Like, fire is the normal thing associated, as I said there a moment ago, when you think about end-of-life cremation. How does this water process happen? Well, basically, it's a very natural, very gentle process. What happens is it's a self-contained unit the body is placed in the unit and there's a 95% water and 5% alkaline solution added. And what this does is it dissolves the tissue on the body and what you're left with is a sterile bone ash. And how long does this take? It's actually the same as flame cremation. It takes around two and a half to three hours. That's short time, isn't it? Uh, obviously, the solution that goes to the water is pretty intense and does what it, what you've said there. It just dissolves everything. So all you're left with, are you left with actually uh, the skeleton? Yeah, you're left with the skeleton. And even after like a flame cremation, that's what is left is the bones. And they put it into what's called a cremulator. And when you receive your loved one back, that's actually what you're receiving. It's the processed bones. With our process, what happens is you receive actually 30% more of your loved one back because during our process, there is nothing lost. Everything is there and you receive a sterile ash powder compared to the chalky ash from normal flame cremation. Do you have to pulverise the bones as well to make them into a dust? Yeah, we pulverise the bones the same. It's the same actually machine that's used in both processes to pulverise the bone. 
What about anyone who might have pacemakers or prosthetic joints or anything like that fitted to the body over the course of the lifetime? What happens there? Well, actually, this is one of the great things about this process. Pacemakers, prosthetic limbs, hips, everything like that, they are totally unharmed during this process and they can be recycled and reused. Okay, so they're not affected at all. Yeah, they're not affected. With flame cremation, actually pacemakers have to be removed Mm. because they blow they blow the retort up. Um, Whereas with ours, it can they can be reused, recycled, and it's it's very beneficial. So less harmful to the environment. um, No burial involved here. More back for your buck in terms of ashes when you go through this process as well. Um, What's been the reaction to this since you've mooted it and what are you hearing back? Well, I've had actually phenomenal reaction to the whole concept, which is unusual because nobody likes to talk about death, but unfortunately it's going to happen at all at some stage. And I think there is quite a death positive movement in the world where people realise that they are going to die and we need to talk about this and decide what it is and what way we want to go. And with this eco-friendly option, you know, people are very conscious of their carbon footprint now and recycling and things like that. So it's just, the industry hasn't changed in over 150 years and I really feel that water cremation is going to revolutionise the whole industry. And when, as a predominantly Catholic society, when people think of going up in flames and things like that. Subconsciously, we think of the devil and we think of hell, whereas water is much more calming, much more gentle. And it's a 95% natural water solution that's used in this process. So it's it's actually the opposite of an acid. It's an alkali. It's like your Andrew liver salts. And that's what brings the body back to its basic elements. Okay, and then when this takes place, the liquid that's left mixed with everything that has dissolved, is that good for the environment? Is that easy to dispose of, to deal with? Yes, it goes in a separate uh, container and it's processed and there's a pH added to actually increase acidity. And what goes back to drain, there's no DNA, there's no contaminants. It's actually better than the water that comes in and it's 100% sterile. Now, America, you spotted this, and they generally lead the way on that side of the Atlantic with new concepts. What's been the take-up over there? Because it's up and running there at the moment. Yeah, it's been legalised in many states over there, but as I think, this is the newest technology. It's only... Now, in UCLA, they have used um, this form of disposition for the last six or seven years, and they've done over 3,000 bodies to date. So, as I say, they have a very, very good program there. Um, and it's only been legalised now in 20 states in the USA. So, hopefully, as they were, were making inroads here in Ireland to be able to offer it here, hopefully, in 2020. So, the law will have to uh, accommodate this here for a start. It has to be uh, legal and everything uh, that goes with that through that process has to happen. Where do you reckon you'll set up? You are, of course, based in County Meath. Is there a chance that the Royal County will lead the way with the first um, ever 
uh, aquamation centre in Ireland or are you looking somewhere else? Well, I'm hoping somewhere on the Dublin Mead border, but as I'm actually part of the Young Entrepreneur of the Year process at the moment and we're been backed by Mead County Council, I'm hoping that um, Mead will be my chosen destination. Okay, so we could have a first in the northeast with this. Ray is asking, is it an acid water? I think you confirmed there it's alkaline, isn't it? That's what you it's said. Alkaline, yes, yeah. it's alkaline. We have some comment coming in on this because we did uh, splash it across our social media channels on LMFM Radio a little while ago. Uh, Emmett has been on to say, I'd like my head to be in a glass box on display like Oliver Plunkett's in Drogheda. Well, that's a world away from this, I have to say, Emmett. Um, Shane says, I'm going to get shredded, (laughs) Jerry. Martin has been on to say, "Uh, uh, if I, uh, no one ever came back and said that was shock and warm. You're right there, that's for sure, Martin. (laughs) for sure. God, the inventiveness of the people out there is unbelievable. Um, Julie's been on to say, I'm pagan so the thought of being stuck in a box in a field with a load of dead Catholics is quite horrifying, so maybe the acclamation is for you, Julie, as we speak about it. And Daryl's been on to say, just throw me in the bin, panda waste will do the rest. Well, I don't think that's going to happen, to be honest with you, Daryl. They're tightly enough regulated with normal waste, never mind human bodies. But this is certainly different on a serious note. Isn't it Elizabeth, it's something obviously you've spotted the the potential in this as well, and it is another option. Absolutely, and you know, as they we're all evolving, and industries are evolving also. And I think this is really going to be the future. Um, I think in ten years' time, we won't be really standing around holes in graveyards. There's over thirty percent of the Irish population now opt for cremation, and that's increasing annually. Mm. So you see this as being a, another valid option and something else for people to look at as well, which which is interesting. By God, when we uh, Louise brought this to her attention, I have to say today, it's something that got me to sit up and take notice about it and to have a chat about it as well and offer it uh, to listeners today for what it's worth and to tell them that you, Elizabeth Oakes, are in the process of bringing this as a first to Ireland and hopefully, as you said there, the North East. It'll be another string to your substantial bow, Elizabeth. (laughs) Well, hopefully... Yeah, please, God, it will work out for you because it is interesting indeed. Thank you for joining us on the show today and telling us all about it. I really appreciate it. And and, uh, keep in touch with us. We'd like to follow this on to see how it's progressing over the uh, coming months. That's great. Thanks a million. Not at all. Take care of yourself. That's Elizabeth Oakes there. She's a mead mortician, a highly qualified lady who's involved in this business uh, for a long time. Aquamation. What do you think? Would it be uh, your preferred uh, way of uh, going out of this world? Will you be gone at this stage of disposing with what's left behind the human remains? Food for thought, isn't it? What about you, uh, Louise? Would it be your cup of tea? Would it be something that might rock your clock or you'd be interested in? Oh, I think it's brilliant. Mm. I think it's great. I just don't like fire and yet I just can't go down into a cold. I like my duvet. I'd have to be wrapped in about four duvets. <laughs> but Louise, when the lights go out, you'll you don't know, know nothing that. about it. You don't know that. Well, that's true. None of us know what happens when the lights go out. I'd still feel the cold. Betcha, I would. Would you? Yeah. I'm a three pair of sock person, so yeah. <laughs> I'd be warm. I'd be on the other extreme of things. I'm in here in a t-shirt in the middle of winter. I don't know what's... We're, we're, we're complete poles apart, that's for sure. Interesting, interesting. You heard it here today. Aquamation. 
along with cremation and burial, it's another option, it seems, and coming your way from the United States, thanks to Elizabeth Oaks. Anyway, that's a lot on late lunch for this Thursday afternoon. Tomorrow, Friday, we will be announcing who is the mother of the year in the Northeast. We have a number of mums and their daughters joining us on the show. Women with opinions, lots to chat about with the girls and look ahead to the sporting weekend with Leon Blanche. Eddie Caffrey's up next with The Drive and we are uh, finishing off late lunch this Thursday afternoon after that chat about aquamation and our mortality. Bobby McFerrin will send us home happy, won't he? Don't worry, be happy. See you tomorrow. song I wrote you might want to sing it note for note don't worry be happy in every life we have some trouble but when you worry you make it double don't worry be happy don't worry be happy now When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.